Hello everyone. Welcome to the Soul Lead Saturday episode 7. The guest we have today is one of the leaders in the data science areas. We already learned couple of things about him and uh, today we will explore much more about him as well as his passion and how did he manage to be one of the leaders in the areas he is he was passionate about so let's just welcome him so thank you bu for being on thank this you. saturday podcast i really appreciate your time i can imagine that it's very early morning for you <laughs> so yeah, i'm very you. very happy i'm very happy to be here thank you so yeah. much Yeah, thank you so much for your consideration. So to begin with, actually, I'll start with your actually. Um, I looked into your profile. So when I see it, it is like you know you tried your hands in multiple things. Like you worked in a data science. You tried your hands in the entrepreneurship. You uh, did the instructor. Like you worked as an instructor at the boot camp, and you worked as a chief data scientist. You right now do as well. So um, like you know, what did you enjoy the most, and why? um yeah that's a that's a good question so I, you left out that i that i had a couple of years where i i worked as uh you know i worked in intellectual property law so so that that's even more different from data science than than those other things on the list um so the way you know my career has been an evolution to to finding out more and more of of you know where my real skill set is and, and what mm-hmm. i enjoy doing um and so what i'm doing now mm-hmm. is is what i enjoy the very most um you know i i'm working with with multiple companies um so my own consulting company uh method data science but i i'm working with a lot of different clients and a, a lot of different industries and helping them solve data science problems mm-hmm. helping them on their own their own solution um data science solutions Mm-hmm. um and you know that what i'm doing now is is my most favorite and what i enjoy the most and and that's that's by design that that's very intentional yeah so that is a more important i guess what you do you should enjoy that uh, mm-hmm. so. absolutely no passion makes a, a huge difference and yeah. not only your own mental health and, and enjoyment um but but it follows through in, in the quality of your work yeah so it moreover like i feel you don't ever get stressed out if you are working in the area you are passionate about mm-hmm. yeah. as it is moreover like you are stretching your hours and you are not enjoying more yeah so, so i mean stress always happens but it, the stress of something that you enjoy and that you chose to do is, is a lot different than than mm-hmm. something you're being forced to do or that you don't don't like doing yeah so. true so uh, moving to the next question what is the chief data scientist role in any organization and how does it bring value to the business yeah so so this is a good question mm-hmm. um and and it varies on the organization and 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 on the organization size so my experience is mostly with small and mid-sized companies um mm-hmm. you know i have not worked for for any very large organization as part of my data science career um so the role in that that I've experienced of chief data scientist is very much helping a company define a data science strategy mm-hmm. um help them setting up the the team and, and the data science initiatives at the very beginning of the company so so that 5 years later um mm-hmm. you know you know they don't look back and say oh I wish we would have done this this differently um so yeah. so er, 
you know, to a company, it's, it can start very basic of like, what data do you have? Um, what data should you be collecting? You know, how is that, that data stored? You know, what needs to happen to that data before, before we can do anything with it? You know, that, that those are all kind of uh, typical data engineering things. But, but when you're coming into a small and mid-sized company, they often have none of that infrastructure in place at all. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so I, I think that the role of a chief data scientist is to help, um, help bridge the gap between the, you know, the very technical uh, side of the business of the, the data scientists and, and help translate what they need to do uh, into something the executives understand. And so that the executives have, have the right expectations of how long things take and, and, um, and, and how to interpret and use data science, uh, but then translate back so that the data scientists um, aren't working on, on, on things and spending time on things that aren't going to have a value to the business, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so it's very, I mean, the, the person that you have um, in between the executives and, and the data scientists doing the work, it's incredibly important, um, you know, that, that can make or break uh, the, the success of data science in, in any organization. Uh, There's a translation, you know, um, executives speak a drastically different different language than than data scientists. You know, data scientists talk about RMSE and, and AUC and, and all these other things, and that means nothing to to most CEOs. Yeah. You know, and they, they, you know like it just um, that so. I, when it comes to real situations, I also feel like that way because when I deal with any use case in the bank, it is like bank's mm -hmm. data is like I feel very dirty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And mm -hmm. then it's like, uh, yeah, that doesn't, those values doesn't make sense if you don't have the proper data. Yep. So, yeah. 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 So, so I, you, you know, I, I think the the chief data scientist role is, mm -hmm. is very important. You, you need someone that understands the business, but, but also intimately understands the technical side mm -hmm. of, of what needs to happen. You know, I, I've been a part of teams where, where the VP of data science or the, 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 the data science manager is not a data scientist, does not code, does not program, has never done that. And mm -hmm. um, that can be a huge problem too, because you know, they'll, they'll say things like, you'll, you'll, you'll explain, you know, this is gonna take this amount of time to, to build this out. And then they'll say things like, well, isn't it just doing this? And, and they'll really oversimplify um, what needs to happen and, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, the steps that you need to take in, in, in code to, to, to make something happen are, are a little more complex than just saying, you know, isn't, isn't this all that, you know, isn't it just this? <laughs> so, anyway. yeah, I got it actually. So it's quite complicated when it comes to the business. Uh, uh, but when we say that, you know, uh, chief data scientist, like, um, is it like you are the person who is going to decide uh, on the when the solution needs to be get to the organization level or not? Like when you find any benefit in any particular use case, um, once the benefit analysis is done and the feasibility testing is done, uh, are you the person responsible to advise on whether that goes on the larger scale uh, or how is it like? Yeah, so, so it, it depends on the size of the organization, um, absolutely. But um, but typically in the work that I do, yes, I, I'm I'm the gatekeeper that that can say, okay, we have 
you know, we have all of our bugs ironed out. You know, we have very good performance out of out of sample performance. Um, this and then, you know, we we've done our QA and our testing, mm -hmm. um, and and now it's ready for for the business users to actually mm -hmm. consume and, and use whatever we've built or use whatever model we we've, we've trained. Um, you know, and and in a lot of organizations, it's either you know the chief data scientist that decides mm -hmm. that, or or he has people that he have has in place of he or she have, have people that they have in place that 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 do that QA process. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that it's ready, so yeah. okay. it, it really depends. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it depends upon the organization a lot as well. Mm. Um, so uh, moving to the next question, how do you define all the phases of data modeling? And what is the best strategy to get more accurate model and results? Any favorite tools to show the results or something like that? Okay, so, um, like you know, this actually bunched together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so this, is, uh, this is another one of those questions that, that depends on, on the problem that, that, mm -hmm. you're, um, that you're answering. And I think the very most important step um, that is often jumped over in, in, in organizations is, is clearly defining, you know, what is it that the business needs? Um, mm. Before you start data modeling, you know, what is it that they're trying to accomplish? Mm. Um, and that's very important for, for determining, um, determining your, your next steps. Um, so, you know, you, you have, so that, that I think is, is the most important, you know, do they need, um, you know that that'll tell you if if they you know the algorithm that you need to use is is a continuous predictor or it's a categorical analysis or something else like that. That'll mm -hmm. tell you of, of what level of accuracy do they need? Do they need? Mm -hmm. um, you know, are they okay with eighty percent mm -hmm. accuracy or or do they need ninety nine point nine percent? You know, um, and um, you know what 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 caveats with, with, with the data do you need before you go into data prep and, and, and figuring out what they need. So, so that's the first stage. Um, second stage, it, it is your data prep of actually getting, um, getting your data in a format that, that you can actually run a model or analysis. It, you know, it may be, um, be bringing in, uh, you know, multiple different data sets together. Maybe, um, you know, and I, I like to know what the end, you know, end result is going to be. Is this kind of a one-off project where the executives are interested in kind of a one-time answer, or is this something that we're going to want to put into production? And um, and as I'm doing the the data cleaning and 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 uh, you know th that step, um, I, I have that in mind mm -hmm. um, because is this some is this a process that I'm going to need to scale and, and build in um, to something that that is going to be used over and over? Um, and and sometimes you architect that differently. Um, you know, and, you know, then, then typically you, you, you might have, um, a feature engineering feature selection kind of phase where you're, you're really in the data trying to understand, um, how, how to get, um, the most, uh, you know, the most signal or, or the most predictive power out of your data set. And, and that, that's often a very iterative process. Um, you know, you may, you go from, from you know, data cleaning, cleaning, data engineering, feature selection, and modeling, and you may circle back in that loop multiple times. Um, you know, you may have results of modeling and say, okay, you know, I'm going to try adding these features, or, or given what I know about the domain, you know, if I if I take 
if I transform this one variable and and times it by this this other variable or if I engineer this particular variable that that may have a huge impact and um, you know for me this is the part of, of modeling that actually is a science um, you know where where you're you're under you're uncovering truth about your your data set um, and and typically um, you, you know um, the best the best models in, in my experience um, aren't kind of the the auto ml throw everything in um, just see what comes out kind of you know what everyone talks about is black box it's it's ones where um, you know a lot of times the most value to the business is where you've spent time in the data mm -hmm. and 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 you understand intimately you know why what types of variables are are, are predictive mm -hmm. you know and and what is what is the mechanism behind of uh, you know can you explain why you know and you you don't um and that doesn't mean that you mm -hmm. you have you know, the explainable model like XGBoost or neural net um those you know those aren't as explainable as like a linear regression but but you can still understand intimately all the inputs that, that go into your model whatever the, the end result is and, and understand why you know if, you, if you're predicting disease why why these, these types of proteins um, are particularly important in, in your model you know and and i think that that's an important mm -hmm. um and, and how you know how we show the results um really depends on, on the business um you know i uh it, it's very important you know that there's ways that data scientists look at results um, and then there's ways that the business look at the results and, and often the metrics that we use as data scientists don't mean anything to to a business you know you'll show them and say you know look at how good this rmse is and they're like i i don't know what that means i don't know how to interpret that i i don't i don't care about that um and so you have to find a way one to to either educate them about why you know what what is a good model mm -hmm. um, and how do you know that it's good but what does that mean for the business mm -hmm. um, so um, so I feel it is uh, to conclude it is more or like when it comes to the data modeling it is more or like iterative method like you build one model and then you fine-tune it as per like you know so you start understanding yep. more about yep. data. and then yep. and, and, uh, yeah and it is always it's, a collaboration, taking the inputs from the business and then uh, try to get as much as inputs you get, actually, it would be better to uh, build the better model, I guess. Yep. So, I, I've had um, in my career where I've built something very cool, very accurate, um, or a new innovative approach. And simply because the business didn't understand it, that mm -hmm. um, even though it worked and it did exactly what they needed because they didn't understand it, it was too yeah. complex for them. It didn't get implemented. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, and, and actually in my prior employer, that yeah. I did one uh, uh, matrix, like after building, like doing the data modeling, I did come, come up with some metrics actually. And then I went to the billing director to show about the health insurance data. And he was like, not at all interested in, you know, how fancy hmm. those values are, how accurate those values are. It, it was like, he was very easily able to understand the data. So data understanding is more like a base. Um, yep. 
and then after you know data cleaning actually after that yep yep <laughs> yep yeah now that that can be very frustrating if you go through yeah. the end of the, the process of spending all this time on a model and to have it not get implemented even though it's a great model um you know and so that's why the very first step that i mentioned is, is so important you know and and i would really press the business of how you know that this is a good model no, not not how a data scientist will know it's a good model, but how will the business know it's a good model, and what will it take for them to trust it and use it? You know, and, and make sure that that you know that. Um, you know, some businesses this won't be a problem, but but others, you know, you know, I, I've worked with with companies where they just said, you know, some people in the organization have had the attitude that science produces is a black box, and we don't trust black boxes. <laughs> you know, and so that's. That's a really hard. Um, that's a really hard thing to to go to to face as a data scientist. So yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's useful actually. Useful insights to anybody to know that how it is like. You know, when you learn in the academics, it is a different approach. But when you actually try to implement the real projects, it is more over like a learning again mm -hmm. because you have to yep. understand a lot more uh, dimensions in the business, and then you have to go for it. So that's uh, very useful. Thank you for that. Uh, the next question is uh, around the same thing. Actually, I we talked. Uh, you deal with multiple domains. So how hard it is when it comes to data to deal with different kinds of data to understand and build models on, and how one can achieve that if one has to deal with multiple domains. Like, yeah. So so that's a um, that that's a good question, mm -hmm. and. You know, on one level, um, domain doesn't matter because the problems with data are the same in any industry. At a high high level, you know, you have issues with messy data. You know, mm -hmm. the types of models that you you use can can be mm -hmm. be the the same in any industry to solve lots of different problems. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, <laughs> domain knowledge and domain understanding is very important because there's all kinds of caveats and it's, um, exceptions and ways that you should interpret the data um, that in order for your model to be useful to the business, um, domain understanding is, is very important. Um, and so this is one reason why, why I think data scientists um, needs to be a curious person and needs to like learning about things even outside of data science. Mm -hmm. You know, under, you know, and, and this, this comes back to I think what makes a good scientist. A good scientist is curious. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, this is something that I had to do as an ecologist. And this is something that, that I, you know, ecology covers a lot of different domains. You know, I had to go and mm -hmm. you know, learn about geology or I had to go and learn about um, soil chemistry or go and learn about um, botany, you, you know, just to solve the, the questions I was interested in. Um, you know, also, you know, when I worked in patent law, uh, draft patents in a bunch of different industries and you have to go and, and learn, um, about, you know, how oil rigs work in enough detail that you can draft a patent about it, or you have to go and learn about how, you know, how, um, gene, gene therapy for, for, for treating cancer, how, how that works in enough detail that you can describe the, the protein interactions and, um, in a way. You know, those, that same type of skill has really served me well as a data scientist because you're essentially studying the domain that, that, you're, that you're modeling. You know, in order to model it accurately, you need to understand it. 
Um, and you know, part of data science that's really exciting to me, uh, when I have the opportunity to learn about a new domain, um, the tools that I use, data science tools, can be applied in any domain. You know, mm -hmm. those are our stand, standard. You know, the, the the statistics, machine learning, you know, programming skills, those can be applied in any domain. Mm -hmm. um, but how you apply them is is very it can be very dependent on on the requirements of the business, but also the specifics of the industry that they're in and, and the type of data that they have. Um, and so you have to be you have to be curious and and, and wanting to to learn about how yeah. how, how that works. Uh, like I have a question. Like you know, when it comes to data, how to get uh, like data definitions? Like if you don't get it through the business or something like that, how one can achieve that actually? That is kind of a real challenge I also see. Like sometimes you don't get the proper data definitions or you don't know much. You don't understand much so, of the features. It is very, it's very rare in my experience, especially working with, with smaller companies and mid-sized companies like, like, like I have, that their data is documented, if at all. Um, and so, um, you know, you're, I've almost never seen a good data dictionary, mm. um, you know, and so, so, you know, I, I what it comes down to um, is data scientists need to ask questions, you know, they need to figure out in their organization, you know, who are the people that might know this information, you know, who are other people. So if you have a, let's say you have a database that's storing information, Mm -hmm. um, and there's not good documentation of it, then you need to have who are software developers that are maintaining it, you know, and you, you'll need to, to ask them, okay, where's this data coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, why are you storing it this way? How do I, how do I best access it? Um, you know, you might need to talk to the business users who are using that data in another context to say, okay, why is, you know, why is this data important? Why do you use this over that? Um, you know, what do you look for that, that is most important? And, and, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you're doing science. I mean, you're, you're figuring out um, how, you know, how this, this system works so that you can appropriately model it uh, and have the, um, you know, have the, the right kind of impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense actually. And I, something that I can relate as well. So uh, moving to the next question. Uh, Again, the same, actually it is along the same line. We covered it already that how much domain knowledge is needed and while working, it is important actually, basically. So you need to understand little, at, at least basic understanding should be there. Well, and I think that helps, um, but I think more important that is that you're willing to mm -hmm. learn the domain knowledge yeah. and you're, you're able to do it quickly, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. So, so I, I will take in a project in, in any domain mm -hmm. and understand that there's a little bit of a learning curve, but, but that's because I, I enjoy learning um, mm -hmm. new things. I enjoy learning about new domains and, yeah. um, and in what I do, I, I find that I'm very much a generalist and, and the more different types of projects that I'm involved in mm -hmm. actually allows me to, to have more creative solutions because I say, okay, in this completely unrelated domain, something this way um, that that actually can apply in this other domain you know if we do it a little bit differently you know and I'm able to draw draw connections and, and be creative and, and think kind of outside of how domain experts might think you know and that and that's trade-off with domain understanding is is you know it's important to understand the domain 
But if you get too entrenched in it, you'll be stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll be stuck in the way that the domain has always done things, you know, and, and being stuck and doing things the way they've always been done. That's the opposite of innovation. Um, mm-hmm. That's the opposite of, of, of progress um, and, and change. So you need to, you need to understand what they're trying to accomplish and what's important, um, but also have the, the flexibility and freedom to, to realize that there may be a better way to accomplish what, what they need um, than, than how they've done it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Thank you for that. Uh, moving on to the next question, it is about uh, what would be the best approach to achieve the good data quality? So, I mean, a lot of times scientists have, have no, no control over this. <laughs> Um, because we're some, we're not responsible for for data collection. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when I come in in a new company, a lot of times I, I can I can help influence this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think understanding what is collected, why it's collected, um, understanding the assumptions mm-hmm. that 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 go into it. Um, so I, I just had a case where um, you know I. I improved the the data quality that that we were getting in because um, they they were doing some some conversions from from data in one form to another, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the model that they were using to do that w- w- was not that accurate. And so by improving that model, um, that improved the data quality that we used for for modeling the the end problem. You know, so so. I, understanding the assumptions that that went into creating the data, mm-hmm. um, you know, were very useful. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Just give me a minute, actually. Uh, uh, my niece is laughing actually <laughs> in between the video, okay. so I'll just ask okay. her to don't. Okay. So resuming back, uh, the next question is um, any particular case study on stock market prediction or disease prediction you would like to share and provide your insights on, like any interesting use case that you work with? Yeah, so um, trying to think of, so uh, trying to think. So sometimes it's it's hard. I should have thought about this before because you gave me the list. But some some things that I can't share because I'm covered by NDA. Um, so even though it's really interesting, <laughs> I'm not allowed to share about it. Um, so maybe you can just uh, just about the approach. Like if suppose you are going for the stock market prediction, there is a lot of uh, use cases available online as well, right? So how much that would be useful? Right? Yeah. So. So I, I haven't done as much in stock market. So I have worked in the financial markets of helping predict. Um, so so the, the last company that, that, I, that I worked at full time actually just stopped, work, um, stopped working there full time uh, in January. Um, they, you know, they're, they're a financial investment management company. Um, but they are in the life settlement space. So, so they buy and sell life insurance policies mm-hmm. um, that, that people don't want to pay their premiums on anymore. So if you have a life insurance policy, um, you know, you have to pay premiums mm-hmm. um, every month or every year or whatever 
um, in order to, to get that benefit for your family when, when you die. Um, and be a point where you say, okay, you, know, you pay the premiums anymore. You have the option to sell that policy back to the insurance and the mm -hmm. company, and they kind of give you pennies on the dollar, or you can sell it to a third party mm -hmm. um, and they'll pay a lot more, but then they, they assume the premiums and they take over the premiums at that point. And, and when you die, they get, get the death benefit. Um, and so it becomes an investment at that point, which is a really, really strange industry. Um, yeah. um, and, um, you know, and, um, you know, one, you know, in the way that, that you, um, in terms of investment, the way that you, you make money is, is understanding more accurately when, when people will die. Mm -hmm. um, and, and understanding not just that, but understanding how um, how other people think that that person will die. Um, and so um, it was, and, and I can't say um, too much more about the methods and stuff that, that we used, but um, you know, I, I learned a lot about survival models, um, wow. which is a specific, like unique type of, of machine learning and statistical models of survival analysis where you have the problem with censored, censored data. Um, censored, censored data is, is data where you have a large portion of, of your data where you don't know the outcome yet. Um, so, so if you're trying to predict when people will die and you have a data set of say 100 people and 10, 10 of those 100 people have died already, you know what their outcome, in, outcome is and you know how long it took them to die or what age they died. But the other 90 people who are still alive, you don't know when they're going to die. So, so their outcome is in the future. So, so that's censored. So, you know, there's a whole class of, of models. Um, and a lot of the machine learning approaches to dealing with this are still very experimental. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I actually, you know, was able to develop a couple um, kind of unique ways of, of, of machine learning approaches for that. But um, so, I, I mean, this is this is this is a case where um you, you know i i it, you know domain understanding is really important but there's still a lot of you know i, I think when you're starting in data science it's it, you kind of feel like everything's everything's been figured out and you know the, there's libraries to use for everything and 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 um you know that's not always the case you know there's so much room still for innovation and, and there's so much you know, I frequently run into edge cases where where the library and standard solution is not not enough, or, or there's some problems with the assumptions that that they made in, um, you know, in, in that library, and so you have to have to tweak it. And yeah. um, you know that that's that's really um, that, that's exciting to me. But yeah, thank you so much for that. Actually, uh, it's hard to explain as well when you uh, come to a particular thing. So uh, moving to the next question, it was more about like, as you mentioned that you work in both R and Python. So we like to mention like which specific scenarios R would be better and which specific scenarios Python and why with yeah. this particular example. Yeah. So I, I believe that for a lot of data scientists, it's, it's very beneficial to be mm -hmm. bilingual <laughs> in R and Python. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of hardcore Python people would, would maybe dis disagree. Um, but, um, you know, I have found R to be um, more, in, so I started in an R, so I have a bias to that, but 
um, in terms of, of data exploration um, and data visualization, um, you know, the tidyverse mm. packages in R are, are just second to none. I mean, there's nothing in our studio, you know, there's, there's not a Python IDE that, mm. that, that is as functional and intuitive as our studio is for R. Um, and, and so that that's my opinion. When you're doing kind of exploratory analysis, quick, you know, I use it for quick prototyping, um, really understanding a, a data science, a data set. Um, there's just so many tools um, in R and in, and R Studio that that make that just really easy and, and quick. Um, yeah. Python um, has has the advantage of you know, it's it's really great for for software engineering and, and putting things in, in production. Um, you know, and, um, and and stability and other things like that. Mm. So so I find that um, I'm moving more and more towards you know, and even though R has has those those tools, um, you know, Python is is ahead in terms of you know API frameworks and machine learning libraries and, and other things like that. Um, so, so it's, it's kind of a, a, a trade-off. Um, and, and I think that the nice thing is, is, um, to port something from R to Python or vice versa, they're, they're, the syntax is, mm -hmm. is readable in both of them. And, and, and a lot of times with, with programming something, 80% of, of the work is figuring out the logic mm -hmm. and not the syntax. So what are the steps that I need to take? you know, what's, what's the pseudocode, you know, th that I need to take to get my result. And then that can be easily translated into to any syntax of, of any language once you have that figured out. So, so we can just say that it is more or like uh, R is more quicker when it comes to, you know, finding out something about the data on the business side, like when there is a requirement. Uh, for, for, how to provide for, yeah, for me, that's the case. You know, there's some people that are, are very comfortable in Python and can get to the same results, you know, I and, and I think it also varies, right? R and Python. Lines of code in R is lesser than the lines of code you write in the Python because Python is more like an interpreter language. So you write mm -hmm. everything in the code. So what do you think about that? Like, yeah, so I mean, I, I just think that they, they serve different purposes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and if you look, I mean, R was not written to be a software programming language. It's a statistical programming language. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it, you know, that's why it was developed and it does a really great job at that. And, and any, any of the, you know, Python's ability to do that the same thing has come in large part because of R, you know, that there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of the data analysis, data science tools, even pandas data frame concept that, that came from R. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, so, so, um, so a lot of, you know, if you're trying out a new method, looking to some machine learning methods for survival analysis, at that time, there weren't any good packages in Python to do that, but they were all in R. Um, and so that dictated, okay, I need to do that kind of experimental thing in, in R. Um, and you know, now, now that's different, but um, Python started as a general programming language. It's a lot better, you know, 
building out an, an API or um, you know accessing uh, a machine learning library, mm -hmm. you know that's a lot easier in Python. And R has had to mimic um, mm -hmm. a lot of the things that Python has done um, in order to, to to bring that in. But um, you know with with reticulate by R, um, you know the reticulate package. Um, it's it's really possible to do things in both R and Python, and 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 I, you know, I, I think that instead of of the debate of, of which is better, it's yeah. it's just what is the best tool for for the job that you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes a, a very important consideration is is how quick how quick can we do the tool? If you're more comfortable in Python, mm -hmm. then going and learning R in most cases doesn't make sense. Uh, you know. Um, it, it doesn't make sense, um, you know. It, yeah. yeah. So, but but I found no, that I um, think, yeah, one programming language is enough actually to start with. I guess mm -hmm. uh, it's not required to know everything, but that is good to know actually. I wasn't aware that pandas is uh, pandas come from R. Actually, the base of it is mm. uh, derived from R. Well, just the idea is from R. So a lot of the um, a lot of the the ideas of how you know because python used to just have like numpy like arrays and um a lot of a lot of the data science um kind of tools in python were were written and inspired by by how our our handles things so um you know and, and it's gone the other way with r a lot of you know how how our handles things now um so I, I don't know. I, I think for, for most cases, um, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think, um, you know, there's considerations on, on what you're comfortable in or what's going to be most sustainable for the business. You know, if, if you're writing something in R and you're really comfortable in R, but everyone else in the company does Python, you know, from a business perspective, that's maybe not, uh, I mean, from a job security perspective, maybe that's good for you individually, <laughs> um, but for the business that that's maybe not the most sustainable thing because it'll be harder for someone else to, to come in and, and pick up your code if, if, if you're not there. Yeah. So uh, the next question is along the, like, you know, uh, we actually, I also got to know through this that you own a couple of patents in the data science. I wasn't aware. At all. Mm -hmm. So, would you like to share anything about that? Like, you know, some insights. What kind of patterns do you own, and what are those about? Yeah. So, so I've, I've filed a, a number of them. Two of them were just granted in the past couple months. Um, so, patents can take um, a couple years, up to seven years, from the time you file until they're they're granted. It's just a really long process, mm -hmm. um, and um, it, it can be hard to um, to patent something in in the kind of computer science or data science space um, because of you know the you know the Supreme Court decisions on on you know, you know and and rules on 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 what you can patent. Um, you, know, you can't patent something that that everyone does already um, and or that that is kind of common common knowledge. So. Um, so my my two patents that, that have been granted so far, the first one is on a way to use um, uh, to use a modeling approach to determine quality biological sample. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, you know, when when you're 
running a sample such as like a tissue or protein or protein or blood sample through through mass spectrometer mm -hmm. um you know whether or not that that sample is high quality really matters on on the results that you get and mm -hmm. and typically um, the only way that, that you can ensure in quality is to, to have a very detailed history of what happened to the sample. You know, this is when it was taken. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what happened to the sample. It was immediately refrigerated. It was immediately frozen, you know, and, and kind of detailed entire history of, of what happened to that sample. Um, well, we, we, a couple of years ago when I was at a biotech startup, um, we came up with a way, um, you know, in, in mass spec that the end um sampling approach is actually really expensive so you don't you don't want to run samples through that um you know that are that are corrupted but you don't necessarily know beforehand if if they're corrupt or not like if the sample gets too hot the proteins will be denatured and then your analysis won't won't make sense so so we came up with a way to 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 um you know produce a model to predict uh, or identify you know what what level of degradation or what type of degradation has has happened um, to the sample um, before you have to run the expensive analysis and so that's what that first patent is, is about um, mm -hmm. and the second one is actually um, one of my 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 favorite types of subjects um, it's it's a, a method for for using agent-based modeling and evolutionary programming for machine learning um, and so it's a kind of a, a different type of class of machine learning algorithms kind of mimicking what what's happening uh, you know in ecology in in the natural world mm -hmm. how to mimic that in the computer in a way to produce more accurate and quicker models so wow very um, impressive actually <laughs> so, so on that actually i wasn't aware yeah. at all when i got to know i was like oh wow <laughs> because mm -hmm. I, I think you never mentioned it in the linkedin profile as well right um, so it, it's down, I mean, I think I have them on there, but um, you know, that's really what, so I, I have a, a background in IP law. Um, my, my passion is, is inventing things. And, uh -huh. and I've probably over the past couple of years, I've invented in the data science space over 250 different things that could be patented um, uh -huh. and that are unique or novel um, and, and, and really, you know, it's up to the business to decide if it makes sense financially to patent those things. But but that's really what you know. I'm really good at at coming up with you know out of the box or oddball kind of mm -hmm. solutions yeah. to things. Um, and and that's really what what my my passion is. So I, I you know I feel like um, you know I, I love being an inventor and um, data science is the tool that that I use. Um, to do that yeah so yeah that clearly shows your passion actually towards this data science field so uh when did you realize it and what steps did you take actually to pursue that passion yeah so i um and i've talked about this and and yeah. i think a lot of other podcasts and, and things too so i um my uh, my journey has you know, has been different than, than a lot of people. Um, undergrad and, and master's degree are in biology and ecology and evolution. Um, that's where I first started using the tools, data science tools, you know, um, Python and R, uh, analysis of large, large data sets, um, machine learning methods. 
Um, you know, my, my master's thesis was developing computer vision methods for, for measuring erosion in the desert um, for, for ecologists. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that's when I started working as a data scientist as well. When I was doing my master's, I started working for a marketing consulting firm. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I liked that. I was doing science kind of on, on marketing data. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I still wasn't sure that I wanted to do, to do data science. Um, I knew that I loved inventing and I liked science and business. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why I went to, to law school. Um, to be a patent attorney mm -hmm. um, and I realized about a month um, into law school that I really missed programming and, and I really missed doing data science and so I started you know I had a I had a wife and kids when I was in law school and so um, in order to help pay the bills I started consulting as, as a data scientist mm -hmm. while I was in law school and um, I would be sitting in in class and like contracts class and um, I would be programming, <laughs> you know, and everyone else was taking notes and I did fine in law school. Um, but, but that's, you know, that's where my passion was. And it took me a couple of years to, to really figure out that I, I don't want to be in the, the legal profession where I'm just writing about cool things that people are doing and inventing. Um, I, I want to actually be doing that. And so I, so I made the jump back into data science and, um, you know, worked for a couple of companies full time, but I've also um, been building up my consulting practice and you know taught taught boot camps and, and did the, the trainings with method data science and just you know kind of been all in and um, you know I, I love the space that I'm in now mm -hmm. you know like um, I, I'm doing exactly what, what I want to be doing. So. Okay that's good and uh, when we talk a lot more about this data science field actually how much is the boom and the reality and any real challenges and obstacles you see in this area? weight is growing so um i think that you know i think that for most companies that have data mm -hmm. um, data science can mm -hmm. make a huge difference um and, and and so i think that part of the hype is real mm -hmm. that yes that but but the other side of the equation is that the business has to be ready mm -hmm. in order to do that. Um, and I think that's actually where the hype comes in. I, I think so many companies hire data scientists just because everyone else is hiring data scientists. It, it's a lot of work, um, you know, to get to get an organization, not just to get the, the, the data and the infrastructure ready so that you can actually do data science and machine learning, you know, you, there's a lot of work um, in order to get an organization mature enough mm -hmm. but at the same time the 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 business side you know mm -hmm. the executives and business side have have to be willing to um to make the changes they need to 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 trust and and have 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 their data really or have their company really be a, a data science driven business mm -hmm. um and, and and that's you know i think that's really hard to do and i think um, that that is responsible for a lot of the, the turnover in in data science. You know, I think data scientists come in mm -hmm. um, with with expectations about you know what the what the company will be be is ready to do and what they want to do, and and the reality is 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 way different. Um, you know, so so I I firmly believe that that data science has 
has the power to transform just about it. any company that has data, <laughs> you know, um, or, or can collect data. You know, I think a lot of my clients too, they, they start out and they, they don't actually have a lot of data, but we can say, okay, let, let's build out a plan to go and collect the data that you need. Um, but, but the, the real challenge is whether they're actually ready for that, you know, and I think that's where the hype, hype comes in, um, that, Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and when I say data science, I don't just mean deep learning, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I mean, I mean, it's a, the whole, the whole process um, and the whole spectrum of, of data science of, okay. of actually, um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That answers my question, actually. So uh, when we say that, you know, um, like these, all the automation framework are, frameworks are coming in, which can automate your machine learning. So do you see that, you know, these, these automation framework are, frameworks are making the job easier for the data scientist and, or is it kind of a disadvantage that getting, it is getting automated? So I think, um, you know, there's, in, in my mind, there's really no, there's no, I mean, at a high level, there's not a difference from the tools that we already use. So if you lose use like import linear model from sklearn, mm-hmm. you know, how many how how many of us really know or think about the, what are all the the steps under the hood that are happening when we do that? You know, um, or if we use Keras or mm-hmm. you know like those are tools, um, and then you know AutoML, um, you know whether it's, it's Data Robot or H2O or whatever um, is it's just kind of the next level of that. Um, and so I think they can, they can provide immense value to a data scientist that they're just tools and, and they can make tedious and hard parts of the job happen a lot quicker. So mm. the data scientist is, is focusing on, on, on the parts that, that they need to. Um, mm. The disadvantage is whenever you, and this is with any tools that if you don't understand the, the assumptions that, that go into using that tool, then then they can come back to bite you, you know, that you need to understand um, why your tool is doing the things that it, that it does as a data scientist, the business doesn't necessarily need to understand, but, but you do as a data scientist. Um, And, and that's, you know, that's why I think um, like, I don't really feel like auto ML is going to replace a good data scientist. It is more or like just a help to the data scientist, I guess, make their job so that they can just go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good actually. Um, then one more question that I this is my favorite question actually because I lot more time struggle. How do you describe machine learning or data science to any non-technical user, like person who doesn't know anything about data science or machine learning? What would be the best way? Oh, I don't know about the best way. Like, um, but how do, but how do I do it? Okay, so. Um, how I describe it is that, you know, I typically will walk through an example of, um, you know, in, in order for an algorithm or, or a computer or whatever to learn um, how, how something, you know, to learn a result or make a prediction, you have to have um, historical examples. You have to have data to, to train and, and, and teach it, <laughs> you know, what, what, um, what, what the outcome is. Um, and, 
and the you know the very at a very high level um, what machine learning does is, is learns what patterns are um, in the data to predict the certain outcome of, of what have happened in your historical data in the past mm -hmm. and you can apply that um, in the future you know if if they are slightly more technical technical then I'll use um, an example a simple example of, of linear regression of, mm -hmm. of how, how that works um, and, and say you know at, at a high high level that's really the same process of having um, you know predictors and an outcome you know that, that that's really what machine learning is and there's a lot lot more that happens under the hood um, but um, but but that's that's what's happening it's, it's and, and it's important for the non-technical user to know that that any model um, is is dependent on the data that it's seen or that it's been trained on mm -hmm. so so if you're the data that you have access to is different than the data that you want to make the prediction on mm -hmm. then you're going to run into problems um, no matter what what method that you use and, and and that's something that you need you need to be aware of but yeah, yeah. You know. thank you for that yeah. uh, yep. the, it truly shows actually you uh, lead the area you are passionate about actually because you have a lot more to explain and i guess we are like you know running out of time now mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like because you are you have a lot more to share actually so that truly shows your leadership in that particular area so how do you describe your leadership style when it comes to working actually so I I um, I don't like to micromanage people. It's very good. Um, I, I like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like to hire people that are are curious mm -hmm. and and that that I can help them un and I'm passionate and that mm -hmm. I can help them understand what we're trying to accomplish and that they can come up with with the best way that they know how to do that. You know, and so that's how I prefer to be managed. Um, I hate being micromanaged because, uh, you know, and I think a lot of data scientists are that way. And, and it's especially hard when you're micromanaged by someone who doesn't understand what you do. Um, I feel um, if you get micromanaged, you do not get like the way you thought, like, you know, you have to think out of box. You need your space to, you know, yep. uh, invest yep. time to figure it out. So it's yep. like you need that space, actually. I don't think micromanaging helps anymore to any person to grow well and, and it's it's ultimately not good for the business yeah. too I think, uh, yeah so so I you know I I like to hire uh, people that, that I can trust to to help solve problems yeah. you know um, and then I can trust them to say even if they haven't done something before can you go figure this out and and recommend us the best way to do it or build the best way that you know how to do that and and i'll give input but a lot of times it's something i've never done before either so so i i don't know i mean you can't you know go go do the research go figure it out yes. you know um and um you know and that, that we can kind of brainstorm and collaborate together so yeah then definitely i totally agree with you actually that it's very important trust and then no micromanaging yeah Mm -hmm. So, uh, any kind of advice actually for the students or the professionals who are trying to grow in this area? Uh, any kind of advice or any kind of a skill set that you recommend them to, you know, pursue? So, I mean, I think there's lots of good lists about the basic skills that that you need, um, and 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 they're good. And um, I think the biggest thing 
that, I mean, the biggest piece of advice I would have is you have to have a passion for it. And and that comes through in the type of things that you work on, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so one example is why I was still doing law school. Um, I, for fun, I built a bot um, that, that for my wife that went to her favorite retail sites like Nordstrom's found the, the sales then used a machine learning algorithm to predict, um, you know, predict what, what the best sales would be, you know, and I did that for fun. You know, that's something that show, shows my, what my passion, yes. my passion is, you know, and so I look at people, um, you know, that's something that comes through and, and not, not like what certifications do they have, mm. you know, what, you know, because when I look at that, see someone who has a ton of certifications, that says more to me, they're passionate about getting certifications, you mm. know. Um, and, and I want to hire people that are passionate about serving, solving problems. Yeah. You know? So, so um, I, I know that that's my advice. Yeah. So that's true. That have the passion and you know interest what you do. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much. It was really a You're great session. Actually, I think you uh, were very insightful when it came to like you know uh, talking about specific use cases or data science, machine learning, and that clearly shows your interest as well. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it <laughs> because it is very it's early. A pleasure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank you so much. And uh, once the podcast is available, actually, I'll keep you informed. I will provide okay. actually all your uh, social media accounts details as well in my post, so that people who want to connect, okay. they can directly connect and ask for the guidance. So okay. Thank you so much. Sounds yeah. great. Thank you. Have, thank you. Have a great day. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you.